wonderful to be here. And it's such a blessing to see some familiar faces out in the audience. Um, I am bringing you greetings from Columbus, Ohio. My pastor is um, Noah Washington, associate pastor uh, Samuel Ulette from um, Ephesus Seventh-day Adventist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank Pastor Silva, whom I've never met, but we've talked online. I promise I will not keep his pulpit for too long. Just borrowing it for a few moments, I'll be happy to give it back. Um, I'd like to thank Sabbath School. The Sabbath School this morning for me was a real blessing. You all gave me so much, and my teacher, Mick, I believe is my teacher, was, hi Mick, <laughs> shout out to Mick, he was wonderful. Um, he made end time events sound exciting, and um, I didn't know how anyone <laughs> was gonna be able to do that, but you really brought it to life this morning. Brenda Royce, thank you so much. Uh, you will never know what your email meant to me um, at a time when I was struggling personally and wondering if the Lord ever wanted to use me again. I got a random email from baby Bruno that I almost didn't open because I thought, I don't know who this is. And it was Brenda inviting me to come and worship with you all today. And so I finally got to meet baby Bruno. And um, it's, it's a blessing to be here. Um, let us pray. God, our Father, we are so honored and privileged to be a part of your family. Lord, we thank you for all the gifts that you give us, even the ones that we don't think are gifts. And so I ask that you will hide me behind the cross that you will give me the strength to give a word to your people in due season. May this message fall like a gentle rain on a parched land and be a blessing to those who hear and be a blessing to me as well. In your name I pray, amen. I'm trusting that even though it's 2018, there are still Christians who bring their Bibles to church. On a device, on a, you know, um, paperback, uh, however you do it. So I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. That is where we are going to spend our time this morning. It's still morning for a little bit of time. We're going to focus on a prophet named Elijah. Has anyone heard of him? Elijah, whose name means the Lord is my God, shows up on the scene in 1 Kings chapter 17. We haven't heard of him any before in the Bible, and he shows up and stands before a wicked king with a powerful message. I think it's interesting if you go back, and it's something, my husband is a pastor, Pastor Kirk Thompson, and Kirk loves the Gospels. He spent, you know, 30 years of ministry in the Gospels. I, on the other hand, for some reason, I love the Old Testament. 
So when we talk and share, it's interesting. But in 1 Kings 16, that's where you find out about the kings of Israel. And you find out that now Ahab, whose wife happens to be Jezebel, is the most wicked king that has ever been known to Israel. He is awful. He has decided that it's time that God's people should worship Baal. Sounds a little bit like times now where right has become wrong and wrong has become right. And the king of the church of God has said, it's time for us to worship Baal. So this brother is awful. The Bible calls him wicked. And now Elijah has been given the job to stand before this wicked king and tell him a thing or two. We find in, uh, we're going to be in chapter 17 for the whole time. Verse 1, I'm reading from the NIV. It says, now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, I don't know who you're serving, but whom I serve, he says there will, there will be neither dew nor rain for the next few years except at my word. Okay? Now, with these words, Israel is immediately thrown into a drought. I don't know. I, I, I tried to look up some sites. I even looked at a Michigan State agricultural site. Droughts are not determined until sort of after the fact. You know, you go a couple days and you say, hmm, it hasn't rained this week. Or, but God tells Ahab in advance, listen, you want to worship Baal, who you say is the Lord of the rain? I'm going to show you who's God of the rain. And I'm going to show you what I will do with rain. The Bible says there's not even going to be dew on the ground. You're not even going to wake up in the morning and get your sandals wet when you walk across the grass. Because I, the Lord God of the rain, the true God, am telling you there's not going to be any rain. The Bible says for a few years. Now we know, looking you know, being able to read the Bible now, that this drought lasted three and a half years. But my question to you is, are you in a drought right now? What do I mean by that? I mean, are there some basic necessities in your life that are lacking? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe a marriage didn't work out or friendship ended or some such thing as that and you find yourself in a relational drought. I don't know. God knows. Maybe you are in a physical drought. This is where your health is suffering. Maybe you got a poor diagnosis. A dear friend of mine last week got a pretty awful diagnosis she's going into a drought. Maybe the aches and pains 
are still coming. They're just not letting up anymore. And physically, your body just isn't doing what you'd like it to do. You're in a physical drought. Maybe you are in a financial drought. You know that drought where the month lasts longer than the money, where your retirement is gone, or you barely had enough gas to get here today, and you're so grateful there's going to be a potluck afterwards because that's one meal that you don't have to worry about preparing. I don't know if this is for any of you, but it may be even someone that you know. Perhaps you are in some other kind of drought this morning. But if you are in a drought, I want you to know that that is one of your special gifts. Why do I say that? Your dry spell, your time of no rain, the time when the essentials of life are missing from your life, those are the times when God himself can come to you and do his greatest work. Let me tell you something. If you have no water, you don't care if someone is old or young, if someone is rich or poor, if someone speaks perfect English or you can barely understand what they're saying. If they have water for you, you want it. And so the time in which there's a drought in your life, sometimes the Lord has the opportunity to bring a gift to you in a way that you least expected it. You didn't think it was going to come like that. First of all, you didn't think the drought was going to happen like it did. But you find yourself, if you find yourself lacking emotionally or spiritually or personally or financially or any other such lack, I encourage you to look at it as a gift from God. God took what was essential. Imagine a life without water. The first thing that crossed my mind, which is so random, some of you know how I think, I thought I couldn't boil spaghetti. <laughs> Just no why, you know, how could I justify a pot of boiling water for some noodles when there's no water to wash my clothes, to wash my body? How can I justify that? So when you go through a time where the essentials are missing from your life. I encourage you to look at it, not as a curse, but as a gift. So we continue on verses two through six. Of course, Elijah has now told this wicked king, there's not gonna be any water, no rain, no dew. So you know, Elijah has to get out of there. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, run Elijah, run. Turn eastward and hide in the brook Cherith, east of the Jordan, and you will drink from this brook. And I have directed the ravens to supply you with food. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Cherith Brook east of the Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, 
and he drank from the brook. How does an unclean bird bring bread and clean meat to a holy prophet? I got so tickled this morning as I was driving here from my sister's house. And my sister sends her regards, by the way. I don't know how many of you know my sister Janice Welsh. She is a raw food chef, and she's actually done some presentations at this church. She's out of town today, but I'm staying at her home. Yay. Um, um, but as I was driving from Janice's house here, I actually saw a raven digging out of the remains of some roadkill on the side of the road, and I just smiled. I said, God, only you, only the creator of the world could take a scavenger bird and give this raven or these ravens, because it says I commanded the ravens to feed you, give these ravens clean meat. You know, Elijah wasn't eating spam. He was eating bread and clean meat, and he was directed by a scavenger to do, the, the, God directed the scavenger to do so. How does that happen? Because God is the God of impossibilities. He does things in ways that we have no idea, and he makes it all right when it comes from him. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're in a drought, take note from the words that Elijah that, that are found in verse 5. It says, he did what the Lord had told him. The gift of obedience is a tough gift sometimes. Because when God tells us to do something, we don't always want to do it. I have a problem. May I be honest? Hi, I'm Ruth Ann. You're supposed to say hi, Ruth Ann. And I love chocolate. I do. I love it a lot. And when I was preparing this, the Lord was saying, remember how I told you that I want you to fast 10 days from chocolate? And I knew I could not stand before his people until I had exercised the gift of obedience. I gave up chocolate for you all. I want you to know that. But the blessing in being obedient, I cannot tell you what that step did for my life. Um, imagine, though, I want you to know this, though. When God tells you to do something and you know it's a situation, an issue of obedience, be very careful who you share that information with. Because other people will talk you out of what God has told you to do. Imagine one morning, very early, Abraham turns over to Sarah and says, hey, I'm on my way up the mountain today. Going to take Isaac with me, going to sacrifice him. The Bible would have been a completely different story if Abraham had confided in Sarah 
what God had told him to do. I'm not talking about keeping secrets. I'm talking about being obedient to the voice of the Lord. Also, can you imagine if Elijah had had a Facebook account? He, or Instagram, you know, or you see a tweet from Elijah that says, morning and evening, hashtag bread and water shall be sure. It would have given away his position. And Ahab was on a mission to kill all the prophets. So it would have taken him out. Sometimes we try to live our lives on social media and there are things that we, and it has its place, you know, I got a Facebook page too, but it has its place and it, it does not belong in divine obedience to God's word. So be very careful with your gift of obedience. I love the song that was sung. I'll go through the fire if you want me to. I'll go through the valley if you want me to. I'll go through the drought, Lord, if you want me to, because that is obedience talking. That song was a song about obedience. Thank you for singing that. I don't, I don't see her. <laughs> Thanks for singing that song for me. Let me tell you a little something about those ravens that I found very interesting. Ravens are rated as high in intelligence as chimpanzees and dolphins, okay? God didn't just pick any old bird. He picked the right one because he created them. They, ravens can imitate human speech better than a parrot or a minor bird. I know, I didn't know that. Ravens are playful and they know how to make their own toys and play with the toys that they make. So get this, Elijah is getting food twice a day. He's probably getting some manner of human voice because these ravens can imitate human voice. He's getting entertainment. I mean, like the NBA finals that the ravens are doing back and forth by playing with their own toys. But because Israel had now become a pagan nation, the, the, um, the Israelites were afraid of the ravens because they represent an omen. So where the ravens were gathering and bringing sustenance to Elijah, they were also bringing protection because everybody else was staying away. Sometimes the very thing that someone else thinks is not good is the very thing that's keeping away everything else so that you can focus on God. I was just so, so tickled about these ravens. So now Elijah is alone. He's in a place by himself. He is there alone, away from all human contact, and God still brings him entertainment, food. He didn't have to try to make a Walmart run in the middle of the night. He was just covered by God's protection. When you find yourself in a situation where you are isolated and removed from others, I want you to look for a raven. Look for something that God is sending your way that is totally unexpected and 
you just wouldn't think about it because there's a gift there. There's a gift in that isolation and there's a gift in that obedience. So the first gift is the gift of the drought. The second gift, the gift of obedience. Okay, we're gonna continue on verses seven through 16. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Elijah, and said, go, to, go at once, don't delay, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water please in a jar so that I may have a drink. He was polite, wasn't he? And as she was going to get it, he called and said, and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and an olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, hmm, make a small loaf of bread for me. And when you have made it, bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. There was food for every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Now imagine this, this is a poor widow. We know her son is very young. Otherwise, her son would have been collecting sticks with her. And we know that she is in dire straits because she has determined this is it. After this, some kind of way she still had water, but she had no bread. Or she had just enough to make one little cake of bread. Now, if Elijah had tried to Google her, search her on Google Maps, he would have never found her in his GPS. But he relied on the Holy Spirit, and it's interesting that when he found her, she was not at home. She was out gathering sticks. And my husband gave me this whole, I, I can never reproduce it like he shared it with me, but I guess there's a process, some of you good pathfinders, to building a fire. You need sticks and kindling, be, you know, and whatever before you put the whatever before you put the before you put the big log on it. I'm glad he told me that because if I tried to build a fire, it would have never worked, even though I was a pathfinder. But she was out basically starting the process to build the fire to make what she thought was her final meal. She was like a dead woman walking. She was done with life, she had no more, it was all over, nothing was coming in from anywhere else, and she and her son were gonna eat one final meal before it was gonna be the end. And, and she knew about God, 
because she said it when she talked to Elijah. She said, as your God lives. So she knew enough about him to know who he was. And Elijah said, feed me first. Now, a mother, a small son, and some random man saying, feed me first. You talk about faith, a measure of faith, the scripture said this morning. Everyone has a measure of faith. And what she did was she put God first. You know the scenario. Your paycheck came, and there's just not enough money anyway, but now you're expected to tithe? Really, Lord? But when we walk in obedience and do what he says, he gives us another gift, the gift of provision. Your flour will not be used up. Your, your oil will not run dry. It's interesting to note that Elijah by the brook at least had bread and meat. Now he only has bread, but he has brought to this family the gift of the living water, the gift of eternal life. And I think of his influence on that little boy, fatherless little boy, during a time of hardship. I'm sure he didn't just sit up in his room and say, eh, you know, I'm sure he helped with chores. I, I want to believe that the man of God was a perfect house guest. I want to believe that. But by this act of faith, this woman received a promised blessing. What has God promised you? That if you would only act in obedience, it would be done. Someone maybe needs to send their child to church school, but the tuition is so much and your paycheck is so little but God has promised that if you will do what he said, your bread and water will be sure. Some of you have health challenges and you need to give up a certain food, <coughs> chocolate. Um, perhaps a better job is in store if you would tithe. Perhaps there would be peace in your marriage if you would pray more and nag less if you would encourage and not belittle. I don't know what the Lord is calling you to do, but when you act according to his faith, according to your faith and his word, he will provide just like he did for Elijah. I imagine this woman walking by the cabinet in the middle of the day and peeking in that jar and seeing, ah, oh, there is flour there, peeking in that cruise of oil, it never ran dry. So she's living in the miracle every single day. And then verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and suddenly stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, why do you have, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? 
Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on the bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? He, he said back to God what God had said to him, basically. The Bible says then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, oh Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room to the house and gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. We've seen the miracle. He's done it plenty of times. We've gotten the answers to our prayers. But then one day something happens that shakes us to our core. What is our response to God then? When the bread and the water is sure, we're okay in that miracle. But when we lose what is most precious to us, what is our response then? This unnamed widow of Zarephath has already faced the death of her husband, and now she faces the death of her son. And I never try to say what anyone else feels. But I want to share with you a little piece that I wrote. Um, in 1984, my first husband was killed in a car accident. I was pregnant with Brandon, and I was also injured in the accident. And Brandon survived miraculously, and we all grew up. And now I want you to fast forward to August 1st. 2013, Brandon was leaving work. He was at the light preparing to make a left-hand turn when a, a cargo van going very fast ran through the red light and hit him. He took a direct hit on the driver's side. For six days, we sat in that waiting room at the hospital praying, hoping, begging, pleading, all of those things. And this is what I wrote. This happened on the morning of the sixth day. About 2 a.m. we were awakened by the hospital staff. We could hear code blue alerts on the inter intercom. The nurse told us that Brandon's heart had stopped beating. Without waiting to hear what else was being said, my blood ran cold. But then a nurse came and said that he was revived. However, within hours, the doctor called us back into some dreadful room to say that there was nothing else that they could do. Brandon's intestines were dead and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what else was said. All I could hear was phrases that sounded distorted and confused. But we gathered around Brandon's bedside as he lay there and we said our goodbyes. First, I sang him a lullaby that I used to sing to him as a child. I sang that song as if my very life depended on it. 
I was determined that in his dying moments, Brandon was going to get the very best that I had to offer. All my attention and all my love was focused on Brandon. He was 28 years old. His final hours would be filled with love. He died at 8.05 a.m. on the morning of August 6, 2013, and I felt as if my body had disconnected from my mind. I felt as if my lungs were trying to find air, but the blood had stopped flowing in my body. My lips were moving and sound was escaping, but I had no idea what I was saying or if I was saying any words at all. The feeling is impossible to describe. The pain is impossible to explain. The world was impossible to understand. I could see absolutely no color. It felt as if I was watching a black and white TV. In that instant, I stood beside my son's lifeless body. Praise God, I offered in determined and resolute worship. Praise God that I was the vessel through which Brandon entered this world. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I never try to say how anybody feels, but I can imagine what this woman felt when her child was now gone. And Elijah petitioned God and said, God, please. Please bring life back into this child, not just for the sake of this mother who was convinced that this child died because of her own sin. Have you ever done something and you felt it was because of your sin that this tragic thing had happened? Oh, and if you haven't, you can always count on somebody to tell you. You have a terminal illness? Well, are you vegetarian? You don't have a marriage? Well, I heard you fussing at your husband last month. Your child is gone astray? Well, I remember when you didn't make him kneel for prayer that one Sabbath in church. We have enough accusers, but we accuse ourselves. And Elijah said, not just for me, but for God's namesake, bring life back to this child. Some of you are in a situation that seems dead right now. A marriage seems ended. A child seems wayward. I don't know what it is, God knows. But the fourth gift that I wanna focus on is the gift of restoration. Because God can restore, God does restore. Last Sabbath, I was so impressed by a testimony of a church woman from our church, Sister Chara Stahl. They had called the family in and said, say your goodbye, she's not gonna make it through the night. That was a year ago. And last Sabbath, she was jumping, 
praising God. All she could say was glory to God, glory to God. We witnessed a miracle when the doctors said it was over. God said, not yet. The gift of restoration is priceless. Now her son was alive. And now the woman says, now I know that the, you are the man of God and the word of the Lord is from your mouth and is the truth. Now she knows. Now she knows, yes, because the food was something outside of herself. Her child was restored to her. And I guarantee you that when the Lord restores something to you that's most precious to you, it will personalize your relationship with him. I want you to know something. I want to leave you with this. If you are in a drought, a dry season, a season where things are not going the way you feel they should, droughts do not last forever. The Bible says in 1 Kings 14 that they saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And from that cloud, it grew larger and larger and rain covered the earth. One day soon, one day soon, we are going to look up and see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And it's going to be Jesus Christ himself coming in clouds of glory. That's when he will restore my son to me. That's when he will give you your husband back. That's when all the things that we've gone through on this earth will be worth it. If you are in a drought, hold on in obedience, believing in his provisions, trusting in his restoration, because one day soon this drought is going to be over. God bless you as you move forward in faith.